Hey there, welcome to the Theology Of podcast. I'm Benjamin. And I'm Riker. And we're two college students who love studying scripture and having meaningful biblical conversations. When we think about theology, most of our thoughts probably stay within the four walls of the church. But in doing so, we're really limiting our understanding of God's infinite nature. And so each episode, we'll be tackling an everyday, secular-seeming topic and discussing what the faith has to say about it, both conceptually and practically. So thanks so much for joining us. Make sure to buckle up, keep your hands and feet inside the proverbial vehicle at all times, and enjoy the ride. Let's go. They say that home is where the heart is, but the real question is, is home where the soul is as well? Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Theology of Podcast. Today, we're going to be diving straight into that topic, the theology of home, which is something that we don't really talk about a whole lot, this idea of home, but Hmm. it really has big implications on the way that we live. Yeah. So super pumped for this episode, as always. Me too. Let's just jump right into it. Sound good? Yeah, sounds great. Awesome. So again, as we lay this foundation for the rest of the conversation, we have to start with what is home? And this one is a little less set in stone than I think some of the other ones that we've come across. Mm, yeah. So how would, you, how would you go about describing home? Well, as always, we can go to the dictionary, mm-hmm. uh, starting with the Merriam-Webster definition. Uh, there's actually three types or three definitions of home, if you will. The first is one's place of residence. It's pretty straightforward. Uh, Second one is the social unit formed by a family living together. It's also pretty straightforward. Or the third one, a familiar or usual setting, a congenial environment. Hmm. It's a little bit less straightforward. But I think what's cool about these three definitions is they're all so different. Yeah, They're all so diverse, right? Yeah. We have more of the physical side when it's talking about one's place of residence, but also more of the idealistic side and more of the less physical, like talking about, oh, this is just a familiar setting or this is a social unit that is formed by a family living together. So Mm -hmm. it's not like everything about home has to be physical. That might lead into more of the word house, which we totally could have called this episode house episode of house or houses or something. But the idea behind home is that it is more than a building. It's more than just a structure. It also has to do with the atmosphere within the house as well. And whether a home is within a house or not, or it could be within an apartment, it could be within a condo, a dormitory if you're on college campus, um, something like that. A home can be any of those things. And uh, we're going to dive into a little more of that today. Yeah. No, that's super good, though, to distinguish house and home because it can be easy to confuse those two. Right. But you're right. What we're talking about is more than just four walls and a roof. Yeah. There's something more. And that's what we're going to try to be focusing on throughout the rest of this episode. Yeah, absolutely. And to start us off... Uh, I have a quote by Ruth Ann Irvin, and she 
gets at this idea saying, there is a difference between a house and a home. Home, however, can carry many connotations, some less than pleasant. Brian J. Walsh and Stephen Boma Prediger explain this in their book, Beyond Homelessness, pointing out that houses are mere structures, walls and floors with ceilings and doors. A home, in contrast, is an abode. The word abode is the archaic past form of the word abide, which describes a kind of homemaking, a persistent choice of dwelling. A house is a space of residence, while a home is a place of indwelling. A house becomes a home when it is transformed by memory-shaped meaning into a place of identity, connectedness, order, and care. Home is also a place of permanence, a storied place, a refuge, a place of hospitality, a place of embodied habitation, a place of orientation, and a place of affiliation and belonging. These words describe the ideal, yet homes can be places of brokenness too. Some stiffen at the thought of home, since for them it is an embattled place where peace and rest are elusive or scarce. The idea of home shapes individuals profoundly, for better or for worse. So, what a way to start an episode, right? Uh, Getting at this contrast between home and house, and how there's not much to be said about a house where other than it is, again, a structure, walls and floors with ceilings and doors. But when we go into the deeper topic of home, we can kind of uncover some things that might not want to be uncovered. Um, And we can uncover some brokenness within a home. And maybe some of you listening to this right now are experiencing that or have a really bad connection with the word home. But what we're going to try and do this episode is point to what we think a Christ-centered home looks like and how we might be able to redeem our idea of home but while fully acknowledging that homes are places of brokenness for a lot of people. Yep. If any of you want to learn more about houses, I'm sure that they make an architecture podcast. (laughs) There's probably one out there somewhere. It has to be a thing. Um, But you're right. What we're going to be focusing on is the idea of home. Hmm. And when you were reading that quote, it made me think of characteristics that are associated with the ideal of home. Yeah. And so here's here's a couple that came up with. One is that home is a place of full vulnerability. Hmm. A place where you can let down your guard, take off your mask and just be yourself. Hmm. Yeah. Or another way I like to think of it is home is a place where you can have hat hair. Right? <laughs> yeah. You don't go walking around in public with hat with hair. With hair. Yep, but can't be seen like that. <laughs> yeah. But in home it doesn't matter because you feel so mm. comfortable. Right. Another is home is a place of hospitality. So mm, yeah. not only is it a place that's isolated where you hide yourself in, but it's a place that invite others into, invite others into and develop community. Yeah. Mhm. And then the th- third one is that home is a place of belonging. Hmm. There are a lot of different places on this earth, but home is the one place 
where you feel like you belong. After yeah. a long journey, you come back and, and you think this is the place that I mm. should be in. So those are some ideals. But again, you mentioned something at the very end that creates this tension because yeah. home isn't just those ideals. And we wish that it was. We wish that on this earth, home could perfectly embody all of these traits. Right. But they don't, mm. right? The fall has marred home just as it's marred everything else. Right. And so we want to just acknowledge at this first part of the episode that for those of you who have experienced the brokenness of homes, all of us have to a certain extent, um, but definitely some more than others, mm-hmm. we um, mourn for that and acknowledge that home is not as it should be here on earth. And mm-hmm. we aren't saved by home. Yeah. We're saved by Christ. Amen. And yet in the meantime, we still have to try to figure out what to do with the pieces. Right. Yeah. So a lot of this conversation is kind of going to be a now and not yet, um, mm-hmm. where we're diving into the idea of here's what we have and here's what God has created. And here's where we're coming from and the kind of context that we're all living in currently. But also let's look forward to the redemption, the real redemption of all of these things. We can try and beautify these things as much as we want on earth itself, but it will not truly be completely renewed until the second coming. So that's what a lot of this episode is going to look like. But I think it would be helpful for us to maybe instead of doing this at the end, let's jump into our own experiences and kind of talk about, give us a little context for where we're coming from and how we might be able to redeem our ideas of home here on earth. Do you want to get us started? Sure. Yeah. When I think of home, I think of the same house because I basically grew up in that house my entire life. Oh, really? Okay. We moved there when I was two or three. So technically it's not the only house I've been in, but it's the only one that I can remember Right. up until graduating from high school and moving to Chicago for college. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that, that was home for me. Not only just the building, but also having my family there and all these memories associated uh, with the place. So I would say that my experience with home is an experience of stability over Mm. the years. And then it was really interesting leaving that and then coming to college because when I left and when I moved here, that didn't cease to be home for me, right? Right. I can still say with full sincerity that that's my home. And yet I started to create a new home here. And I can remember the first time that I left the city and then came back, I looked at the skyline and realized this is my home too. I'm going Mm. back home. So that was a really, really interesting experience. And I think widened my understanding of what home was for me. Yeah. That's great, man. Yeah. How about you? What are your experiences? Yeah. I have a sort of similar experience. Um, Obviously moving when I was uh, pretty young. So same thing there, but I stayed in the same house um, from the ages five until 14 or 15, I believe. 
Um, and so, yeah, for 10 solid years, I was in the same home, uh, in the same town. And then we moved when I was in the middle of high school and stayed there ever since. And same thing, um, very solid, very stable, like you said. Um, but yeah, a very similar experience for me when moving to college. And I, so I'm a senior in college now and my sophomore year, freshman, sophomore year, I lived on campus, which was a lot of getting used to things. Didn't really know many people freshman year and was clear across campus from the building that I did most of my work in. And so it was just a whole ordeal of, it was kind of home, but I was like never there just because I was always at other buildings and so freshman, sophomore year were, were kind of temporary, but junior year, I moved into a house with a bunch of my friends and, uh, that has been one of the best experiences in my entire college experience. And just looking back on us trying to make all these decisions and figure out who was going to live in the house and how we were going to make all of this work. It's just been, it's been such an adventure and it's been just such a really great hub for great conversation um, going through the ups and downs of life together. And it's really deepened those relationships with the people that I'm very close to. So, um, yeah, I, I do have a second home up here at college and I can very confidently say that, that both structurally, I do have a house obviously, but also more on the familial side, really deep friendships that that's really what's secured it for me is knowing that I have a second home up here with, with my really close friends. And, um, yeah, it's just been such a great experience. That's super great. And again, we want to emphasize that our experience might be very different from your own experience, right? There are people who live in instable homes where it feels more like a prison than a place of warmth and welcoming. There are people who don't have even a house at all. They are homeless. So we want to acknowledge that and recognize those different circumstances, yet at the same time, focus on the ideal home, the thing that we should be striving for as we seek to expand the kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. Hmm. Yeah. So again, as we move forward, we're going to be really focusing on that stark difference and how Christ calls us to something more. But I have a, another <laughs> quote, as always. Um, I have so many of them this episode, but you're just going to have to deal with it because I think they're all super profound. So this one's from John Tweedale, uh, and he wrote an article called A Theology of the Home. And he says, Christians have long viewed the home as the hub of life. It is a nursery for aspiring astronauts, a playground for wannabe heroes, and a sanctuary for weary but heaven-bound wayfarers. Home is a place for cultivating virtue through meandering conversations, large helpings of laughter, hearty meals, excruciating trials, and loads of hard work. Whether you are a child learning how to read, a freshman in a dormitory, newlyweds settling into a first apartment, an upstart launching a career, a family with a quiver full of children, or a widow navigating life without a spouse, the comfort of home is a stabilizing reality of life. 
Yet for many, the home is far from heaven. It is hell on earth. For those suffering in the environs of oppression, the home is a cauldron of abuse, violence, and manipulation. It is a prison to escape from, not a refuge to run to. Still others have never had the privilege of permanent shelter, let alone experience the warmth of a fireplace. As Christians discuss the value of home, we must not lose sight of the fact that the guilt and corruption of the fall reaches into every heart and therefore into every home. Our ultimate hope lies not within the boundaries of a picket fence, but rather in him who is our dwelling place. So, obviously, the layout of every home isn't exactly the same, Mm -hmm. but there are some pretty big universals that are common across all different types of homes. So, let's take a moment to do a home tour and (laughs) mention some of those key areas. One of them is the kitchen. Mm. And... As Jessica Brown put in her blog post about the different components of home, she said, food holds a special place in the discussion of home because food is sustenance and Mm. home is where that sustenance is stored, made, shared, and partaken. Hmm. And previously on the podcast, we've hinted that one of our episodes in the future is going to be about the theology of food specifically, but it also blends so well into this idea of home. So we had to mention it here. Yeah. I think food is so crucial to just us interacting with people in general. And obviously, again, this is different with many different people in many different homes, but just thinking about the idea of Thanksgiving or Christmas or all these holidays or just sharing a meal with another person. That preparation in the kitchen can lead to a lot of conversations or um, fun, maybe dance around the kitchen to music, or maybe this leads us to our next part in our home tours, the dining room or the dining room table where that meal is shared and the conversation and uh, interaction that comes along with that between two or more people. That's a, that's a beautiful thing, and that's where food is so central to the interaction and building of relationships within our homes comes from. Mm. And to put that another way, the dining room table is the stage of hospitality. Yeah. And like we mentioned earlier, the home isn't supposed to be a place of isolation, but it's supposed to be a place of community and of inviting, which the dining room embodies really well. Right. Next up in our home tour is the bedrooms. And again, this looks different for different homes. There are one-room apartments, Hmm. which don't apply as well. But when we think about bedrooms, the idea is the people who live in them. Home is undeniably linked to family. And even for homes that are just single-roomed, 
they're still linked to family and friends who enter into the space. Yeah, and this brings up the idea of the guest bedroom. And that naturally, again, doesn't show up in some circumstances. But in the circumstances in which it does show up, it naturally brings about this idea of relationship and long-lost friendship of somebody coming to stay with you from another state or country or something like that. And just the idea of the guest bedroom being a place of welcoming and, again, hospitality to our visitors and welcoming them into our home as a place to stay and to share a meal and to have a bed to sleep on. Yeah. Next comes the hearth, Hmm. or you could also say the fireplace. Mm -hmm. And we in our 21st century culture have lost a little bit of what the hearth is. But back in the day, the hearth was the core of the house. It was the source of warmth. It was the source of food because it was used for cooking. It was the source of storytelling and unification of the family. And Mm -hmm. so when we talk about home, that's an image that is really pertinent. And yet, going back to Jessica Brown, she says that along with the hearth, there's also this other place, the threshold that we can't forget about. Hmm. She says, while the hearth centers us, the threshold can, with the transformative work of the cross that sets us free from our own myopic kingdoms, decenter us. Hmm. Do you want to un- unpack that a little bit? Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's trying to say that the hearth embodies the unity and the comfort of the home. And yet, if that's all that home is, then we're missing out because that's separating home from the rest of the outside world. And so she tempers that idea of comfort with this idea of discomfort, talking about the threshold, the place that transitions us from the environment of the home to the outside world. This links back to our conversation about travel as a place where we go forth from into the world. So I think that's what she's trying to get at with that quote. Yeah. Again, throwing it back to last episode with travel, how we were encouraging people to not be dormant and to get out and go see the world, but also Mm -hmm. be aware that there can be such thing as too much traveling and not settling down in one place. This also harkens to the idea that there are troubles that come with staying in one place for too long or hiding within your home as as a means of escape. Just like we said, travel can be used as a means of escape. People can hide too much in their home as a means of escape from the real world as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's not healthy either. Right. Also similar to last episode when talking about travel, the Bible has a whole lot to say about this idea of home. Mm -hmm. And so we're going to take another biblical survey and highlight some of these key instances where scripture mentions this idea. Yeah, just starting from the beginning, as we always do with the Garden of Eden and seeing this as kind of the OG home 
um, and that it exemplifies a lot of the different traits that we've been talking about so far in this conversation about home and what home is. This idea of Adam and Eve flourishing and, and walking in intimacy with God in this abode, in this place that they're staying in the garden, even though it may not look like a house and not have the similar structures as a house, but it is definitely a home where they are made to flourish and to grow um, with with God at their center and being able to walk in intimacy with the plants and the animals and God by their side. Next, if we fast forward a little bit, comes the story of the Exodus, where God takes the people of Israel and brings them to a new home. Looking at Exodus 3, 8, it says that God has come to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey. Mm. And so this passage links God's redemption with the concept of home. Mm, Yeah. Which takes us to the tabernacle in the wilderness and later to the temple in Israel. And this is God setting up his home here on earth once again, where he invites his people to enter and to be with him. Mm. And when we read through this story in the Old Testament, it can honestly get kind of boring when we get to the description of the tabernacle, right? Mm -hmm. It's this architectural blueprint of God's dwelling place. And yet, Some of the details in there are really beautiful, one of which being that the tabernacle's exterior was made out of animal skins. And so Mm -hmm. from the outside, it looked dull and ugly. Mm -hmm. But then once you entered in, there was all these beautiful colors and the gold and the different smells and all of those, which shows that this place is an oasis. It's a microcosm. It's a home that God invites his people into. And David picks up on this idea by acknowledging not only is the tabernacle God's home, but it also is aspired to be David's home as well. Hmm. Yeah. As we see in Psalm 27, 4, where he says, One thing have I asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Hmm. And so again, it's not about God being isolated in this box, but it's about God inviting us to be a part of it. Right, and to dwell with him within it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and... The book of Psalms transitioned right very nicely into the book of Proverbs, and we get a more theoretical look at this idea of home as Lady Wisdom shows us this idea of what a house is. It says uh, in chapter 24, verse 3 and 4, it says, a house is built by wisdom and becomes strong through good sense, through knowledge Its rooms are filled with all sorts of precious riches and valuables. So again, looking at more of the theoretical side rather than what we just saw literally with the tabernacle, we're looking at how wisdom 
can fill a household and fill it with all sorts of precious riches and wealth. Hmm. Yeah. Then to jump back into the storyline, we go to the exile, which is kind of ironic at first, right? Because the exile is all about Israel being dislodged from their home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yet, even in the midst of that, God calls them to still establish homes. And yeah. He says through the prophet Jeremiah, Jeremiah 29, starting in verse 4, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Hmm. Wow. Is this passage so relevant to the current state that we're in right now, 2020? And we could go down a long bunny trail about that. But the reason that I bring it up is because it shows us that even in times of dislocation, that doesn't give us an excuse to neglect the idea of home Hmm. but god challenges the israelites to even in this hard situation still pursue it and still create it yeah so that sort of closes out the old testament for us and kind of a cliffhanger on this idea of homelessness or being in exile and being dislodged from their home and we're awaiting something to bring us back to this glorious idea of what home should be. So we get this perfect picture of it in John chapter 1, verse 14, where it says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And the cool thing about this is, is the word dwelt uh, and the word dwelling that is used in this context, actually means and more literally translates to tabernacling. So dwelling in the idea that the Lord God is literally making a tent among us and he is making his home here and uh, we get whatever is to come in the rest of the New Testament from that example at the beginning of John. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it doesn't just stop there, um, but all throughout Jesus's ministry, He talks about this idea of home and redefines it and gives it some nuance that is really important and interesting. Yeah. One of those that we see is in Matthew 8, verse 20, where Jesus says, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Hmm. Now, if you take that on a surface level, it could seem that Jesus is speaking against this idea of homes um, and that he's rejecting it. And yet we have to realize that he's recognizing that home is built into nature and into creation. Hmm. And yet he himself has nowhere to lay his head because he is teaching that this earth as it is right now is not our home. There's Mm, more out there, and this isn't the culmination of this idea. Right. Yeah. Another time that Jesus talks about home is in the parable of the Good Samaritan. Yeah. Where he gives us a 
beautiful image of hospitality in the midst of this subversive story, right? Where you have this cultural background and God flips it and is teaching about who our neighbor truly is. In the midst of all that, we see this beautiful example of lavishness and of grace extended through this idea of home. Mm. Yeah, and the, the Gospels lead us straight into the epistles and how in much of the epistles, we actually see Paul talk often about meeting and gathering in the homes of individual believers. He rarely, if ever, speaks of a church that holds worship or fellowship meetings in a large public place. So we get a lot of different examples of how Paul believes how homes should cater towards these areas of our lives. Right. And even deeper, if we look at the church itself, the church is a home, just in Mm. the same sense that Jesus embodied home. So also his body of believers take on that themselves as well. Yeah. We see a great example of that in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19, where it says, So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of his dwelling, where God lives by his spirit. This is the new temple. We are homes for Christ to dwell in us. And so the church, this gathering of believers, this body of Christians is naturally living out this idea of home in a perfect Christ-centered way. We see this again in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 2 where it says, don't forget to show hospitality to strangers for some who have done so have entertained angels without realizing it. Again, an idea of hospitality, like we were talking about earlier, overflowing of hospitality and these encouragements to local churches to continue showing hospitality to those around them because they're exemplifying how Christ calls us to be homes for each other. Yeah. And then to wrap this all up we go to new jerusalem yeah where there is this full redemption of all things including the idea of home again looking at what jesus says in john 14 2 in my father's house are many rooms and so every fuzzy feeling that we have in ourselves when thinking about the hearth, when thinking about family, it all points to this. This is the culmination of home when we finally get to perfectly dwell with God once again. Right. And so if we take a step back and look at all of these different instances of home in scripture, we see that The Bible is the story of God bringing us back home. Yeah. To use the analogy of the prodigal son, we in the fall ran away from home. And yet God, instead of just letting us, instead of leaving us to our own devices, enacts a rescue plan 
to bring us back. Yeah, we have these perfect examples of God getting us and trying to get us back to home through Jesus and the perfect examples of hospitality that he showed to others and the love and relationships that he built while on this earth. But also we are still awaiting the final day of being reunited with him mm-hmm. and being joined in that beautiful example of home once more. Yeah. And that brings us to this key tension that we find in the Christian faith of the now and not yet, right? Yeah. We can participate in the idea of home now, but its fulfillment doesn't come until later. And I think part of our struggle with this idea comes from our misunderstanding of what Jesus said in John 18, 36, when he states, my kingdom is not of this world. And we have this idea that we are to be in the world, but not of the world. Mm. And yet I think what we've done is we've subverted that and we've lived like we're of the world, but not in the world. Yeah. Which, yeah, is so broken and so backwards from what Christ was trying to say there. And so in this broader conversation, this idea reminds us that there is so much comfort in the idea of home and the idea of a place where we belong. And yet at the same time, our conversation about home should awaken a longing in us for this unfulfilled ideal of home that we have in our heart that won't fully be fulfilled until we arrive at our eternal home. So jumping into more or less a practical application, I feel like we've already done some of that. We've already talked about some of the ideas and and more of the concreteness of what it's like to live this out and how Christ calls us to live in these communities and, and this idea of home. So maybe let's kind of recap what we've done this episode and and we'll go over exactly what we think goes into this idea of home. Yeah. Again, I have a couple of really, really great quotes that uh, I couldn't let go of, but I think they're just so, so profound in the ways that they address this idea of home. And this first quote comes from John Tweedale and his article, A Theology of the Home, once again. But He starts with, the home is not a neutral zone for acting upon baseless desires, nor is it simply a bastion for maintaining traditional values. One of the primary purposes of the home is to cultivate Christ-like virtues that animate who we are in private and facilitate what we do in public. Later, he goes on to say, this side of heaven, home should be a place where faith, hope, and love flourish. Faith in the sure work of Christ, crucified and resurrected. Hope in the power of the gospel to overcome the world, the flesh, and the devil, and love for a triune God whose glory and beauty knows no end. 
The Christian home in a fallen world is a place of rooted optimism, rooted in the place where God has called us and optimistic about a far greater place that he is preparing for us. The home front is the forlorn battlefield of cultural wars. In our strivings to defend the gospel against doctrinal decline in the church and increasing secularism in the culture, we must not forget the importance of cultivating virtue in the home. For the church to remain a city on the hill, the light of the gospel must shine brightly in the home. Hmm. And wow, what a mic drop quote. Hmm. (laughs) Again, bring in the heat. He hits everything perfectly. He hits all of the things that we've been talking about so far and throwing it back to what we were just talking about with this now and not yet. We are called to this rooted optimism within our homes that we foster these ideas of faith, hope, and love within them, but we also look forward to the day of which he is to come and to bring redemption for all of those things. Hmm. Yeah. And we're called to advance God's kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. And we won't be able to do that perfectly everywhere. Right. And yet I think what Tweedale is pointing out is the home is a place where we can start. And as each home becomes a beacon of the kingdom, then we have communities that are changed. So basically, we can't perfectly do this everywhere, but home is a great place for us to start. Yeah. And I think throwing it back to where we all started with this is that we know that a lot of our homes do not look like this perfect Hmm. picture that we get. And home is a very touchy topic for some people. It's often full of brokenness. There is a lot of hurt. There's a lot of pain when we talk about these rough places and these rough times that we've gone through regarding home. But remembering that this is simply a starting space, this is simply a starting block for us to launch into this more Christ-centered idea of home and how we are to turn our view from the negative broken experiences that we've had to this now and not yet idea of Christ redeeming all of those things. It gives us a really good place to start. And, uh, you know, I guess I'll just, I'll end with this last quote that uh, I think just, just puts the, puts the period on it really well. It says, though home is often a place of brokenness, there is hope of redemption. Right now, many places are plagued by sorrow, sin, and displaced affections. This brokenness points people to their deepest need, a need for salvation. One day, a perfect Christ will make a perfect place for his people. This is the hope to which Christians cling in life and death, in homelessness and rootedness. Amid sickness, grief, and the groaning of creation, Christ will one day redeem the brokenness, gather the homeless, and create an eternally glorious place for his people. But until then... Christians live as wayfaring strangers. This promise of a restored and perfect home motivates Christians who are making places, longing for places, or wandering from places in this world to press in and to press on to the end. Jesus encourages his disciples, saying, I've said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, 
but take heart. I have overcome the world. As Christians yearn for this redeemed peace, they can remember that earthly homes are mere shadows meant to point them to the eternal reality of heaven. These shadows give Christians a glimpse into the greater future reality of this gracious and long-awaited homecoming. So let that be our benediction for you today, is that no matter what background you come from and what home means to you, that Christ is preparing a room for you now, and that we hope that this redeemed biblical view of home and how Christ calls us to live in home has sparked an interest in you to go out and put that into action. Mm. Yeah, amen. So that's all we got for this episode of The Theology Of. Thanks again so much for listening. We really appreciate how you've supported us through this process and through the first number of episodes. We're on episode eight now, which is super exciting. So thank you again for sticking with us. And if you like what you're here, as always, again, feel free to like and follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or whatever platform you're listening to. But also, we want to hear from you on social media or through our email. You can find both of those links in the show notes below. Our Facebook account is facebook.com slash thetheologyof, or our email is thetheologyof at outlook.com. Thanks again for listening. We're really excited for next week as we dump into the world of food. And uh, other than that, we'll see you in the next episode.